Welcome to Third and Nerd, the show that breaks down everything nerd culture with a little sports thrown in. On the show, you'll hear discussions about the latest superhero movies, TV shows, and comics as well. You'll even hear interviews from some of the artists and writers who helped create the characters you know and love. So strap on your super suit and fire up your flux capacitors, because here is your host, Josh Webb. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Third Nerd. I'm your boy, Josh Webb, and I will, as usual, be joined by my boy, Adam, tomorrow. But today, we have on the OG, the man who actually started this podcast with me. So... If we think about it, he owns like twelve percent of the podcast. Twelve percent? That means you've only done like ten since then. It's twelve percent of the podcast is okay. what I'm willing to give you. <laughs> uh, uh, but Mr. Joe Goodberry of the Athletic, Joe covers. If you don't know, Joe covers the Bengals uh, for the Athletic. But his love of Marvel creation, art, and cosplay has also drawn the eyes of, of people over there. Uh, and they've sent him care packages as a result. So Joe likes the border. Bo- Joe likes the border between. I still haven't gotten a care package yet. I'm going to work on it though. <laughs> uh, Joe likes the border between, uh, uh, you know, a, a guy who who covers the NFL and a guy who, in another world, I think could be a fantastic comic book journalist. Um, oh. I truly do, dude. If you suddenly you. got hired by like comic book or IGN, I, like I wouldn't bat an eyelash. If like, I ever a, run out of um, places to write about football, that would probably be something I would try. Yeah. Or if you ever just get reach a point with the Bengals where you're like, I'm out. This team's never going to win. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and on top of that, by the time you reach that point, though, that means if in, they do win, you get to enjoy it as a fan rather than a guy who's supposed to uh, maintain objectivity. Uh, oh, no, I, I'm not supposed to maintain objectivity. I'm allowed to uh, be which, a fan. <laughs> which I'm kind of glad that, 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 like, we're getting rid of this BS notion that people who cover teams, like, I got in an argument with Dustin, uh, a guy named Dustin. I'll leave it there. I, I almost said his name. Don't want to do that. I got in a guy in an argument with a guy named Dustin who covers a Big 12 team. And he was saying, like, no, man, once you become a journalist of this team, you have to ditch your fandom. And I'm like, so how do you separate the fact that you spent your entire life wanting to get into that college, went to that college, then got an extended degree in that college because you had so much fun and started covering the football team because you loved the football team before you went to the college? Like, how do you separate all of that honestly and then tell me you're an objective journalist? Like, anybody who says I can do that, I'm like, you are lying. You know, and I think there has to be a balance, right? Because you can be a fan, and I'm 
I don't hide that I'm a fan of the Bengals, even though I write about them. But I also critique them, and I'm also hard on them because I'm a fan. I think you know, so I, I maybe I, I come at them from a different angle, uh, and you can still be honest and objective about them, but don't hide that you're a fan because you should celebrate when they win or when they do the things you want them to do. You're writing about, hey, they should do this, this, and that, or I don't like when they do this, and then they do it or do it in the way you're asking, you should be able to celebrate a little or or enjoy that moment as a fan because you can't take that away from you. I mean, everyone's going to be a fan somewhere deep down. And, I, you know, I hear, like, no cheering in the press box. I'm like, why? I understand it's going to rile the, some, some writers of the other team or something, but for me, it's like the team that you cover and you see every day does something well, go ahead, feel good about it. Because you know these people more than you know the team at that point, too. And, that you know, you got to feel good for them at, at, at that point on a human level that they're succeeding. And I think all, all of it wraps together, that you can be objective and be a fan at the same time. And people forget, too, that you spend hours that roll into days, which translate into weeks and months, of having conversations with certain people. At a certain point, you know some of these athletes who have been tenured with the organization that you speak with nearly – you know, every week, multiple times a week, because you know you can go to them to get a quality soundbite. They're honest with you. They talk with you. Sometimes they even invite you to meet their families and stuff like that. Like, this this goes across, man. Like, when, when, when you take care of your job as, as somebody, who, if you do your job right, people are going to end up being fans of you, and you're going to end up being fans of people, because that's – that's what we're here to do, right? Tell great stories. Well, how the hell do you do that unless there's some greatness involved on either side? That's life, man. That's it. You, you can appreciate everyone for – and it, you don't have to cover them. I think I think I, I find appreciation in people that I don't think I'd often would, you know, until you get to know them or you see what they're about or, or you get to uh, talk to them on a deeper level and you create connections that way. So, yes, I, I know what you're saying, and, and I agree. And also at the same time, I think uh, – that is just a great way to sum up life. Right. I think at the end of the day, man, like no other industry asks that of you. Like nobody sure. covering the Avengers. It's like, well, hold on a second here. I'm not allowed to like them. You know, I talk to these guys for a living. Like what? No, dude. The guys who cover the Avengers are like, go see this movie. It is awesome. <laughs> this is right. the only industry that says you can celebrate what you cover. And I find yeah. it so fascinating. And you know what I think about, too, is because uh, there's so many avenues, and especially with the Internet, the way, you know, the last 15 years or so, I, I would say. Maybe I'm going a little too far. Maybe it's the last 10 years. But just covering anything and being and creating a community for anything. It can be video games. It can be movies, comics, uh, sports, obviously. Uh, and you see the way sometimes, and, and from, from a po- football perspective, you see the way some of these other people can be, treated or, get, you know, get care packages sent to them. You ever watch these guys who who stream video games and all of a sudden they get these, they get a whole Xbox sent to them with games and all these, all, all this cool stuff. I'm like, man, that never happens in the football world. They act like they hate you. And, you know, they don't want you to cover them. They don't want you to talk about them and celebrate them and, and, and write good stories about them. It's, it's, it's almost the exact opposite. Yeah. It's really weird. I, I forever don't understand it. Like I, I, I'm trying to, but 
uh, it just, man, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you be a fan of something? Like, you spend so many years, like, watching football just to, be, to become a journalist, you know? Like, like, here's the thing. The best journalists have watched so much football that it would blow the average person's mind. Like, yeah, I think so. Like, it, it, it's... It literally can sometimes be, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, but they they will see more football throughout a year than they will see their wife and kids. <laughs> I don't think that's an exaggeration, right? Some of these, oh. some of these guys are into it, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's a full-time job and a half. Yeah, I, so, if you love it, right? It's like if they, right. said, if they said, Josh, you watch Avengers movie or MCU movies and read comics, and we're going to pay you for it, and you just got to write about them all the time, wouldn't you be like, that's a job. What? Yeah, but, but what do you mean? Right. When, are you, when, are, when are you sending these things? <laughs> Please, let's do this. Hey, if anybody's listening, man, I'm pushing almost twelve thousand followers. I've got some time. I clearly love comics. I'm your boy. That's uh, it. Um, but you know, man, let's enough about job and job hunting. Let's let's get down to the job. End game. All right. I want your honest thoughts. Okay. You went in there expecting what, and you came out with what? Hmm. The expectation part is hard. I, I tried to mute as much as possible and keep off the social media aspect, and, and obviously that week weekend coincided with the draft, so I tried not to um, – I, so I was on social media a lot and, and, and talking NFL draft, so at the same time I had to uh, really be careful. And, and I, luckily I didn't see any spoilers. Now – as a collector of collectibles, I should say, I got some things spoiled with uh, with action figures and statues and things like that, things that I was able to quickly connect two plus two and say, oh, well, Rescue is going to show up at some point, you know, things like that. Uh, so that's okay. So I went in with very blank expectations. I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to wrap 21 and 22 films up. Uh, thinking that was pretty impossible to probably do. Uh, I wanted a, I wanted to feel some emotion. I wanted it to have a complete wrap-up, and I wanted them to kick Thanos' ass at the end. So uh, coming out, I was shocked at how well they uh, handed fan service on a platter throughout the movie. And even in sometimes it didn't make complete sense, and it was like, okay, I don't even care because this is so fun. It was like a fun ride, an enjoyable ride, uh, end to a long I mean this is unprecedented and I don't even know if we'll get it again uh, but a long journey of watching all of these movies and feelings for these characters I used to a lot of them I didn't care for I mean I Captain America to me was never cool now it's like man look at Cap at the end there as he wields Molnir and I, I got a tear coming out of my eyes I'm smiling like an idiot <laughs> like look at this this is crazy. he was worthy the whole time I know he may have done you know, and it's funny because we watched Age of Ultron yesterday and he, he, you know, he, he slightly nudges the hammer as they're all testing their, their worthiness, right, uh, at the after party. And even and you see Thor's reaction, right, and everyone focuses on that. But even Cap, I wonder if he even tries to list it after that because he walks away and he goes, up oh, nothing. And I'm like, I can no, answer I, that. The directors, okay. Joe, Joe Russo said he knew he could lift it but just didn't. Yep, and that's what it looked like. And I didn't think of that until afterwards. I went back and watched see, and I'm like. That's why yeah. I knew it was coming in Endgame. Like, that was such a plug at the time that I knew was going to get paid off later. Isn't that so great? There were so many payoff moments. And 
to think that they actually were able to I'm do that. I'm still disappointed they didn't pay off the 12%. I want to know what the hell the 12% thing is. What do you mean? Okay, you remember throughout the movie, it started, I believe, with Iron Man when he – this is what the joke was why I said that to you at the beginning. I can't believe I have to educate you on something Marvel. Okay. okay. So remember when uh, in the Avengers film at the very beginning when Iron Man's installing the device and then he heads back over to Pepper and she says, you know, don't worry, the next, uh, the next building will have your name on it. And she said, on the lease. And he says, well, technically you kind of own this one. You give yourself 12% of the credit. Right. And then Coulson comes in and he's like, oh, I thought we were having a moment. And she's like, we were having 12% of a moment. And then in Guardians of the Galaxy, when Peter Quill is like, I've got a plan. And they're like, how much of a plan? And he's like, 12%. And they're like, you think That's there's not a running a joke back there? There has been a running joke. They've used okay. 12% like five times. These are just a couple examples that I'm giving you. But Google 12% in the MCU, and you'll see all the that. times they've, they've mentioned it. Uh, again, this is an anger coming out. I was just a little <laughs> sad that one didn't get paid off. I've wanted to know what it was. If that's the one that doesn't get paid off, that means they've paid off a hundred of them, and that's, right. that's what makes this so good, right? I mean, <laughs> that's that's the one that didn't make the cutting board. Like, all right, all right, <laughs> all right we got to stop at one hundred, guys. One hundred one <laughs> would have been the twelve percent payoff after all this time. But you got to think if they if they they did they've wrapped up that many loose ends. TV shows, right? That go. Six seasons and a hundred and more, right? Five hundred hours sometimes, right? And, and they can't wrap it up at the end. You know, How right? I Met Your Mother comes to mind. Plenty, plenty of TV shows just cannot wrap it up at the end. Plenty of trilogies can't wrap it up. They can be really good first two, and then the third falls apart. This is twenty-two movies later, and they. I kind of felt that way. People always bring up Scream, and I'm like, I actually like Scream Three. I thought it was better than Scream Two. Man, like, I cannot but, di- differentiate the screams at this point. Well, fair enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> number, two, number number two number two has justified dude in it, and uh, I can't remember who number three has in it. He's somebody. I want to say it's like a Polanski, but I don't know. Right. Maybe Roman. Right. <laughs> uh, but 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 anyway, uh, getting back to Endgame. Oh, all right. So so you like the payoffs. You like the the scenes uh what about like the individual like little stories the side stories that they did similar to uh infinity war because you knew we were going to get some of those too Phil. yeah and, and infinity war i thought was really good and uh, it got so much better every time i watched it and we ended up watching that a lot over the last year uh as a family but uh you, you know you didn't get much of like cap and those you didn't get much of, of uh black widow so you knew those stories were going to come and I thought most of the individual, the surprise one, and it wasn't really a surprise, I guess, if you were into the comics because you felt like she would be a main character, but Nebula had a great arc, I think, in this. I wish it would have had really? the, pay, the totally payoff at the agree. end. I was, I was I, just going to say I wish the ending was a little bit different for her uh, at the end of this movie because I think she could have had way more involvement in that third act. She, she was just have. she was a MacGuffin, man. She served as a MacGuffin for Thanos to find out about the stones, and that was about it. Like, it really disappointed me. I don't care that she didn't necessarily do that moment and that we all know we're talking about in the comics. That that didn't yeah. bother me. What bothered me is that they used her as a MacGuffin. Meanwhile, Gamora, like, we saw her as a child. We saw Thanos training hmm. her. We, Like, I felt like we 
Nebula was sort of a disservice. They they didn't even use her well in the moment that they did use her when they gave her her time. She was just sort of a a way for everything to progress, and then she got shot. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I know she's still alive or whatever, but, but my point here being is her whole purpose was to bring Thanos to the present. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I also think we got to see her more human side, if you will, and got to see – I mean, she had some of the most emotion of the ancillary characters in this movie. And her relationship with Tony, you got that right off the bat, I thought, was interesting <laughs> football, and surprising. The football was outstanding. Yeah, and them working together. And, you know, I wish we would have seen actually more of that, of them rebuilding the, the parts that they needed to for the engine drive. And, you know, just that quick flash scene that we get of them both, you know, handing each other stuff as fast as possible, and she's welding and he's hammering stuff together. And I'm like, yeah, I can envision more of that. I'd like to see more of that. Uh, and, you know, she t- takes care of them at the end when they finally get saved. Uh, and then her and Groot, I mean, I'm sorry, her and Rocket, when they get back, that's Rocket's first time realizing that everyone's gone except for Nebula. And so I, that little moment, I mean, she's got a lot of little tiny emotional she moments. She does, man. That's what made me wish they'd used her to a bit greater effect is I, I thought they were setting her up for that with yeah. all of those amazing moments. They right out of the gate, they made Nebula go from a, a, a supporting character to somebody you cared about right out of the gate. Yeah. And, and I loved that because I think Nebula is fantastic, but then they reduced her to a MacGuffin. And I was like, what happened here? It yeah. was going, it was going so well. I think, <laughs> I think the third act could have wrapped her up in this movie much better. I liked her in the first and second. I mean, first act, she's great as a as a character that has the connection with Tony and, you know, has the knowledge of Thanos and, and really helps push the story along. Uh, and, and then even her when she's on with out there in, in space with with uh, uh, Natasha and, and Clint and War Machine, and I think War Machine and her have a good moment also. And then you get a little bit of, very little bit of her of her and Gamora. Now she's the one convincing convincing Gamora that they're good in the future, basically. And I thought that was a great moment. Because, it was a great flip. Yeah, right. Because you think that should be. It, we've seen it be Gamora trying to convince Nebula to you know let go of of that past, and now it's the other way around. Um, so I thought that was all good. But I, you know, in the third act, she just she's but she shoots her past self, and that's it. You pretty much don't see her again besides the pretty much the eighteen form up. And I think she could have had a good moment there too. So, uh, but she did. It would have been nice if we saw more of the A team. Sure, I agree. I think they could have did that scene, uh, even though I, I appreciated it. I think they could have did that even better. I think the battle left wanting. It was good, but I felt like it was too many one-off moments, and they missed the opportunity for a lot of team-ups with characters that hadn't Agreed. teamed up. Sure, like. Spidey and Thor haven't met each other exactly. yet. Exactly, you know, just just having that go down, or or I, I never I, got I, to see Drax go after Thanos. Shouldn't any of? Yeah, uh, am I, I mean, gonna have to slow mo and stop every scene of every second of this scene, and when I when it comes out on Blu-ray, so that I can yes. actually appreciate it? <laughs> yes, you're going to have to. I you're, mean, I, I think would you anyway. I would anyway. I mean, that's how you spot Howard the Duck. You know, I will, and I probably will notice it more. Well, I probably notice a lot of things more when that does come out. But uh, Marvel, especially their final fight scenes in the Avengers movies, and they have in, in other movies, but especially in the Avengers, they usually have like a one-shot moment where they scan over everybody and, and you know, show where everyone really is on the battlefield and how they're working together and teaming up and how they really boost each other's powers by, by helping each other. 
Uh, we really didn't get that. We got a couple of shots like of rescue and Tony getting back to back and shooting and, and a few other things and mostly them saving each other in different situations real quickly. But, uh, I wish we would have got one more of a pan over the whole landscape of showing us what's going on, when and where. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to have seen more out of the battle. Um, I think it, and I understand why it focused on the others, but I mean, here you have, you bring everybody back to fight this battle, but then you still have the same two dudes going after him. Like even from a tactical sense, I get what the Russos are trying to do from a movie sense, but even from a tactical sense, it's like, why are you having your most tired and haggard guys fight this fight? Like, you just brought in the Sorcerer Supreme who, with a little bit of help, brought in... You had to a... stop the flood, Josh. The flood. Okay, let's talk about that <laughs> for two seconds, dude. Okay, right. you, you knew it wasn't going to happen, but was there a moment where you got a slight, slight exhilaration run through you as you thought Namor? No, I did not. I okay. knew I, the only time I thought of him was when they said there was an earthquake under the uh, um under the coast of and, and they yeah. and they just let him happen. Yep. And they just said that's it. And I think that would be like Namor like realizing like, hey man, what is going on up here basically? We need we can't sit under here any longer. We need to figure out what's going on, right? Did I lose you? No, I hope so. I want it. Uh, I want it so bad, man. Like, Namor is the one guy I want in the MCU at this point. Yeah, and I think it'd be a nice way to introduce, uh, you know, maybe in the next Black Panther you can introduce mm -hmm. him and, and, and have him fight a little bit. But I also think if you wanted to introduce parts or maybe one or two of the Fantastic Four in that also, I think that mm. could work really well. Because, I mean, they've had ties together, those, those three worlds, um, plenty of times. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I just look at Namor and I think, because I got to ask this question, like, will people get him and Aquaman confused? And I'm like, well, here's the beauty of what a Namor is. He's an anti-hero. Like, yeah. he's not always good. Arthur Curry's a good guy joking, like, that's not Namor. That's not his disposition. Even when he's in a good mood, he's not, like, trying to have fun with you. He. No. His meter just goes from zero to dick, and that's yep. it. Like, he decides to attack. He loses his mind. Like, he's done this several times. Like, there is no way by the end of what Marvel did with him that people would be able to confuse him with, with uh, Aquaman outside of they both have powers of water. Yeah, I think that would be the part to you try to separate them a little bit, uh, you know. And Marvel's taking creative licenses with their with their characters, so I think they'd figure figure out a way to do that. Yeah, and I mean the beautiful part about Namor is that you could introduce him first, and then as you introduce the mutants, you get to the second part of his powers. Yeah. So, speaking of introducing, speaking of other people, speaking of other worlds, I feel this leads us into a perfect conversation, don't you? Okay. All right. So. Um, a trailer dropped on Monday, uh, right. and in that trailer, we were given a warning by probably the most ironic of choices Marvel could have given outside of Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Tom Holland said, if you've not seen Endgame, stop watching, uh, and basically come back and watch this after you've seen Endgame. But if you haven't seen Endgame, don't watch this. Uh, hmm. The trailer starts out, we already know, have you seen this? I have. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You're like, you you turned me for a second. I'm just going uh, with it. I'm playing with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hmm, interesting. Fair, 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 fair. Cool. Okay. Gotcha. 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 
So we open the trailer and we find out right out of the gate that what happened to Iron Man in in uh, in game, and uh, then we're bombarded uh, with some news after Peter goes on his deal and confronts the elementals. Uh, he he gets into a fight and he's teamed up with uh, Quentin Beck, aka Mysterio, who uh, tells. Peter Parker, a little bit of news that shattered uh, the uh, the internet, and that we are living on Earth six one six. There are other Earths. The multiverse is real, yeah. and he is from another Earth. Does this pay off? And how pissed will you be if there is no multiverse and this is a, a Mandarin situation? Uh, well, okay. So, so at first, I'm thinking. Um... I can't believe anything Mysterio says, right? Because Fair he enough. is. If, but it's Theory that said it. It's worth noting that Theory said, said it in, in the trailer. Yeah, he he told he basically tells us everything after Quentin Beck says, "You're from six one six. I'm from yada yada yada." Like after that, Theory takes control of the conversation and tells uh, Parker how the world happened, what was caused by. So it's not really Mysterio telling us this. I've been right. pushing back a bit on this on Twitter. No, I understand that part. And the only thing I would say is, um, you know, I wonder, Nick Fury seems, he he also can never be trusted, right? It, it, let, it ranked the tricksters in the MCU or even in Marvel Comics, and Nick Fury's going to be high up there. But Mysterio's going to be high, high up there, too. You think Loki's... A, the master trickster. These these two guys are also in there. Now I don't think that doesn't Camille. mean Camille. Oh yeah, too. exactly. Now I, I would love to see Chameleon in this movie. What if what if Nick Fury what, is Chameleon? Yeah, what if Nick <laughs> right. Fury is Chameleon? But see, here's the thing: they trick fans. There's no multiverse, but instead we get the Sinister Six. Listen, I get that. That's okay. But I've seen the Sinister Six now a million times. Give me the flipping multiverse, like. <laughs> You're well, not like it's gonna be cool, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna push back on the fact that they advertise the multiverse. That is a huge thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely, and I think there is a multiverse. I just wonder if Mysterio is from it, or if he's bullshitting his way into an advantageous situation. Sure, he's syndrome from. I don't from, care uh, if he's fake. I just want the multiverse to be in the movie somehow. He does not. Let me specify. He could be from Orange County, California and have right. nothing to do with Earth 018295, sure. whatever. You could have nothing to do with it. I don't care. As long as, like, somebody like a Miles Morales comes out of a tear and is like, this looks like my Earth, but isn't, or something like that. Should like, they do Miles? Yes. Yes, it should be Miles. It should have yes. been Miguel O'Hara or, you know. True Miguel O'Hara. Miles <laughs> Morales. Miles Morales, dude, like, look, Miles Morales, he kind of answers a whole, he he checks a lot of boxes, so to speak. And I think he's one of the more interesting spiders. And eventually you will get to Miguel O'Hara in Spider-Man 2099. But I just think that fans have been wanting uh, Miles Morales forever. Well, like, you they, see how they, Into they the Spider-Verse. Spider-verse. Right. Yeah. Into the Spider-Verse was hugely successful. My kids love it. 
Do they I want to dip into that twice? Do they want to do that twice? That's fair. But I think if you bring Miles Morales into it, like, you've already – all right, here's the problem. You've already introduced uh, his uncle. We've right. already established that. Like, how do you bring in Miguel O'Hara? Walk me through this. Help, help, help me help me say Miles doesn't happen, Miguel does. Walk me through it in a way hmm. where I'm like, all right, I like this. Yeah, I wonder how you would introduce them. Obviously, it would be um, – under the same you premises. will face pushback from people that are like, what about good. all that crap you dropped? Well, I do think you could still have Miguel from a different, you know, he obviously is from a different future, but also a different earth, right? I mean, so um, I, I think it could work the same way. I, I, that's why I don't think it has to be Miles in that situation. And I think you could, man, because I'd love to see. I yeah I I think of a lot of wild ideas in terms of the Jessica Drew would be fine. Yeah, that would be cool. Anya Corazon would be fine with me. I'd Uh, love to see an older Peter Parker too, if we could. I I I would take. Let me see what else. Uh, uh, Spider Gwen would be fine by me. Like, there's so many different Spider people that I would take. Like, I understand. Like, okay, it doesn't necessarily have to be Miles Morales. But my opinion is that they've seeded Miles Morales for so long that if you randomly jump to Miguel O'Hara, it's going to look a little bit out of place, and people are going to be like, so what about the black dude? <laughs> well, I, think, oh, I think they will. I think people would be confused. But I, I think also Marvel's got enough skins on the wall to say, let allow us to explain. And if they do it right, they don't have anything to worry about. That's fair. I mean, you just got a lot to explain at that point, and hopefully Marvel can do it. So... You know, but that's I, why I think it would be at the end, right? A post-credit or a very end. I don't think, like, Miles is showing up and fighting anyone. Just like I don't think um, yeah, Miguel fair. would show up and fight. I think you'd see him, and you'd go, whoa, look at that planet he's from. Like, maybe you see him come through from somewhere, and you, or, or, or Tom Holland gets stuck there, right? And that would be pretty cool. <laughs> but the, the 2099 universe is awesome, and I think you could have a lot of fun in there. Go with a high evolutionary. With a lot, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you could have. Ooh, now I'm thinking you could do a lot of different things with uh, maybe like a Mephisto type or a. See, I like the Venom Kingpin story too, where that was actually kind of in the future, but you know, different universes. Is what I'm thinking, um, but showing all the heroes, all the Avengers dead or gone at that point, uh, I think you could do a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, they did they did some stuff with Spidey. He activated instant kill. They did do that. See, here's the thing, man. People think that Feige is driving the bus on Far From Home. He's not. This is this is Sony. Like, yeah. Kevin Feige has say, obviously, because they want to tie it, but Sony's going to do what they're going to do. So I am just hoping for Sony that if they're false advertising the, the multiverse, that they find some way to deliver that in another way. Like, I don't care if, 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 like you said, Quentin Beck is not the key to the multiverse. Just allow it somehow. Like, yeah. that's all I want right now. Like, it should open up so much. Plus, it really it does solve a lot of headaches for, for Marvel going forward. Now, all of a sudden, you can be like, well, in this world, we have mutants. Right. Do you think you know? the mutants should be introduced as that, or should they be introduced in 
the current timeline, the current world? Uh, I personally like to see them off in their own world because we know stuff is going to collide and eventually it's going to lead to a civil war. And then you, and then you'd get our heroes versus the X-Men right out of the gate somehow. And that is what I'm a thousand percent behind. Yeah, I can hear that. You, uh, as long as you redo the entire storyline and it doesn't revolve around a stupid bird. Or, or Mystique, right? Yeah. Like, let's drop that part. Um, but I, what I was thinking is, do you? So do you say, all right, we're gonna Jeez. reboot the the X Men, and like the first opening scene is in Earth seven twenty five, whatever. Just pick a number, right? And uh, and so right away we understand that it, this is not under the same timeline. We're gonna get some X Men stories. We're gonna develop these characters, and then we will. Uh, introduce them at a later date to each other, crossover in some way. Yeah, I'm or, totally or do you down with jump that. Them into, jump them into 616 right away. I don't know if you can jump them into 616 right away. That's an awful lot of explaining to do without, I don't know, that's an awful lot of explaining to do. And, and I'm sure it could be done, but would you want to? Would you want to spend right. all that time like trying to come up with another story instead of just being like, hey, look, they came from the other world. I don't know if you uh, – I, I think I we were texting back and forth when I mentioned this, but when they show the opening – or one of – yeah, before the credit scene even comes up, I believe, and they're trying to look for Thanos in Endgame, and they say a, a – a spike or a pulse of the epicenter was in Wakanda of when Thanos snapped, a spike and pulse of cosmic radiation flowed over the, the planet and out to, you know, into the universe. Uh, we, we know that's mostly gamma radiation from, you know, Nick Fury saying in Avengers 1, Hulk obviously said it at the end of this one before he snaps himself. Uh, I And we've seen the cosmic cube and other Infinity Stones have effects on on people, I mean, not just uh, Captain Marvel, but the the Maximoff, the Wanda, and and Quicksilver. Is there anyone else I'm forgetting? But we've seen people gain powers from these before. I'm wondering if the snap could have activated or accelerated the mutant gene in people. It could have. That's another way to introduce it. I think that would be fine uh, to do it that way as well. I I just, you know... However you do it, make sure that it makes sense. Make sure that it streamlines. Make sure that it comes back to stuff that you've already done. So that way, you know, you don't have these 50 million questions that, that people had at, at the result of Endgame because – You think people you know, had a lot of questions? Oh, dude, I've taken so many questions. I'm, I'm sure you have. That's why I wonder. Uh, for instance, we got one right here that I will read away to us that comes from, I'll see here. Do you believe, from James Cunningham, he wants to know, do you believe that a soul was released from Vormir when Captain America replaced the Soul Stone? Whose souls would have been released? Well, the Russo said that the process is final. So this is the question, right? How do you put back uh, a soul stone. Yeah, like, how do you put it back? I don't know. I I don't know that. You know, what do you think? 
I, I I feel like this is one stone where it just has to go to somebody else. Like, you can throw it away, you can do whatever you want with it, but since you can't put it back, you're sort of just the older owner of the stone. See, and I was thinking maybe you, like, release it. Like, you accept your fate, you accept your responsibility of the, of the soul stone, and in that process, does it just disappear? I mean, does it have some type of effect where it just returns back to that to Vormir. Okay, but if that's the case, then shouldn't it take you back with it and make you the guardian of it, just like it did with uh... But that was the, the Space Stone with Red Skull. Right, but the Space Stone activates uh, if you notice in both Infinity War and Endgame there's Discharge at the end of the, uh, when somebody grabs the stone and it's Tesseract color, Tesseract power, Discharge, like, I assume that either transports him, like, off for or whatever reason, like, otherwise. Well, how would he get it back there anyways? How would Cap get it back anyways? He would have to transport Well, he'd have to there. fly there. Yeah, he'd have to fly there. Or use the, the Space Stone, right? Yeah, he could use the Space Stone to go there. That wouldn't, I mean, but. Again, once you get there, the question becomes, how do you put it back when the Russos say the process is final? That well, does that you, mean that, that the death put is it final? Back. Right, which means you can't, quote, put it back. Like, you can leave it there, technically, if you want. Just sort of drop it and leave it. But you're not putting the stone back into the process. You're essentially littering. It's cosmic littering is what it comes down to. You so can drop the stone anywhere you want, but it's still activated, I think. You don't think anyone's possessed the soul stone before uh, Thanos or, and before... Uh, oh, I'm uh, sure uh, it had been. I'm sure it had been possessed. Like, I'm sure those weren't the last people. It just happened to be on Vormir. Just like the power stone, you know, just happened to be chilling in Morag. Like, why was it in Morag? Undoubtedly, somebody eventually had it. Like... You think maybe, let's say he drops the Soul Stone in the Grand Canyon, okay? He okay. Says, you know, I can't get to Vormir. I'm throwing, I'm chucking it off the ledge in, in the Grand Canyon. You think the Soul Stone would then, you've, you've released it from your, from your bond. You think the Soul Stone would, would react then, and, and create almost a, another trial to, for whoever's next. So the next retreat. person has to jump off the Grand Canyon? Sure, or wherever it is. Yeah, wherever the, the, it was launched from. I mean, I suppose that's a possibility wherever you, wherever, the, see, the thing is, is in the comics, the Soul Stone was kind of, it, 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 it had agency, you know, it was, yeah. it was one of the weird stones. The others yeah. kind of just did whatever you told them, but the Soul Stone, not so much. Right. So we, we, even in the comics, we don't quite know the rules that the Soul Stone operates on. And all I'm going to say is, with what the Russos said, and the way the stone was obtained, and then the fact that they said that's final, it does leave a lot of questions about how you would put that back and or create another situation whereby somebody would have to get rid of the thing they love the most to get it there, like the Grand Canyon, like you said. So maybe you can't get rid of it. Maybe we find out later in the next phase that it is It's one of the – I mean, we the, the whole first three phases, I mean, the Infinity Saga is – very revolving around the stones and in, in, in battle of them, the power of them, and, and finding and discovering them, and just even learning what they are. I wonder if maybe we're, we're not done with the soul stone yet. 
Ah, sorry, I put myself on mute. <laughs> I was saying, it seems like it, right? Like, maybe there's another being out there that the Soul Stone could power, somebody that uh, Marvel has already dropped in a previous exactly movie. Exactly what I was thinking. Yep, exactly what I was thinking. And, you know, add somehow it gets back to Adam Warlock, or he goes and seeks it, or they someone uses it and brings it to him, or whatever the case may be. That's what you're yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. Okay. So is Vision gone, still gone? Yeah, yeah right. Vision, well, how does the WandaVision gone. move, unless it's all in her mind, right? Right. I guess that's I don't, very possible. Can we just talk about WandaVision for a second? Sure. Dumbest name for a TV show ever. <laughs> what if it's in her mind? Then it makes perfect sense. But still, dumbest name for a TV show I think show all ever. the names so far have been terrible. <laughs> They're like, we've got... Falcon and Winter Soldier, like wow, you There's guys, the name. You, you guys, you guys really sat around and tried to come up with that one, didn't you? Exactly. And I then, would like then, a little more effort. And then they hit me with Wandavision, and I'm like, okay, somebody brought pop brownies. Like right. that was. I mean, I'm fine with a lot of these ideas. Like personally, like I think Marvel should just pull the plug on New Mutants and not release that film. Doesn't it feel that way, anyways? Yeah, they're pushing it back. Like, I feel like they should just edit it slightly, release it on Disney Plus, call it a day, and that's that. Like, this I, film doesn't. I saw need... a tweet that said New Mutants will be the first accidental time period piece because it's been delayed so often. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, New Mutants is I don't know, dude. Like, it's just it doesn't interest me. I don't. We're not going to have the X-Men or the New Mutants, so there's really no point in, like, dragging this thing out into, like, the 20s and the 21s because then you're going to confuse people because by that point you will have owned Fox for three years. Like, so what do they do with Deadpool then, though? Because I do think they want to keep Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool and finally... Yeah, they've already them. said that they're going yeah. to. Like, I mean, Ryan So Reynolds is that the key? Made... Maybe. You know, because he can I, page jump. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants, but I don't necessarily know. Like, I guess you could have him introduce the X-Men in an offhanded way. Like, hey, by the way, I caught your first 22 films, and I just want to say, like, these guys really could have helped you in number 22. Right. <laughs> like, he, or something. Oh, what if he goes back into all these movies and shows how he could have helped or how he would have done it? That actually would be fantastic. <laughs> or, De or, or Deadpool going back and having a conversation with Thanos and reminding him that he boinked death. <laughs> yeah, everything, all this. I like all this. I really loved it because in the comics he called him a toboggan brother, like, and he did it several times, and it just made me laugh every time. I'm like, is he really calling him a toboggan? Yep, he is. <laughs> so... Uh, all right, we got a question here. It's only fair that we uh, that we answer this. This came from from one of our fans, one of your right. fans, Beast Mode Nine One Six. We'll start here and then we'll go to the other one. Okay. Beast Mode Nine One Six wants to know. Ask him if he fears Dalton having a decent season in the team, sending <laughs> his contract next off season to the tune of twenty five million a year. That is, I think that's a lot of our fears. Well, if he plays. Here's the thing, right? If you're not a Bengals fan, you're listening to this. Uh, he, this, is an, this is viewed, a beer run. <laughs> right. Andy Dalton is viewed very differently uh, by many. And what I mean is he is adequate and he is capable. 
but when you have that, you attain or you strive for more, right? And you want more. You want to be better than that. And I think a lot of Bengals fans are at that point where they're like, screw it all. I'm ready to try anything at quarterback just to see if we can get marginally better. And that's a risky proposition for a lot of other people. The other half are saying, what are you going to – you're going to go from a B quarterback to a B-plus quarterback and in the meantime, you know, throw it all in the tank, everything you've built and tried to make, and I don't know what side I fall on. It could be it could be different for every day. So if Andy Dalton plays well and they pay him like a top 12 quarterback or did, so. Did they I draft believe, a quarterback? They did in the fourth round, Ryan Finley out of NC State. I don't hmm. – you don't no. draft fourth-round guys to eventually start unless he no. comes in and surprises you completely. Uh, but so – I he might be point, a backup or, yes, or, a, or a trade piece. I, I think that's the idea is he's a backup for now, and maybe they see what he can do in a year or two. He's already 24 as a rookie. So, um, no. you know, that's not that's not ideal. So I, I, if Andy Dalton plays well, they give him $25 million extension. I think in this point of his career, I don't expect him to be somebody completely different. So paying him would be a, a bad decision because – even if he produces better, I don't think he's a different guy. And, and, and the current guy he is, I don't believe, will will carry a franchise that has ineptitude in too many levels to uh, overcome an average quarterback. All right. Here's a fun one that kind of moves away from football but still stays with football but brings us back into Marvel. Okay. So Tyler Lindsay wants to know, who would have the better football team, Marvel or D.C.? Hmm. This is it's a good question. Uh, I would say, man, I, I think both would have really, really good teams. I feel like Marvel would have a more diverse team. And I think if football is one of the most diverse sports in terms of if you're a big guy, if you're a skinny guy, if you're a short, fast guy, if you're, if you're a big, fat guy, we can find a spot for you. And so I think with the entire Marvel Universe, I mean, I, you'd have to really pare it down. If you say X-Men or the Avengers or the main Avengers, I should say, right, because there's been so many, or versus the Justice League, and, and I think then it would get a little closer and it'd be tougher to decide. But I think if you could take the entire Marvel Universe, I'd be able to field a pretty good team. Yeah, I, I think Marvel would have the edge on the experience, but here's the thing, man. DC is really good about cultivating and developing their youth. Yeah. Way better than Marvel, like leaps and bounds better than Marvel at developing their youth and, and their younger heroes. To that end, you have a lot of young guys that are hungry, looking to make splashes. I, I think that you have the edge in the experience, but maybe as the game goes on, your veterans get a little bit tired and the youth shows up. Yep. That's possible, very possible. I, yeah, I would say other than like, like young Spider-Man characters, Marvel really got an issue with uh, the next generation. Right. Kamala Khan's a great effort. Yes, you're right. She deserves to be in the MCU already. I, I demand that. All right, and here's our final question. Okay. I was wondering if you had time, could you tell us who you think the most powerful of the Avengers and allies slash villains? Maybe your top five. I thought Ooh. Thanos was until he was forced to use the Power Stone on Captain Marvel. Mm. Okay, N- number one for me is Thanos. Like, he is, at a base level, more powerful than anything we have ever seen in the Avengers. Hands down. So, so this he, is he MCU is, question, right? Yeah, so I asked him specifically, and he said MCU. Okay. Yeah. 
then you're good with Thanos, I think. Go on, continue. I want to hear what else. I, I think coming in just behind him is uh, Scarlet Witch, for obvious reasons. Uh, she nearly single-handedly ripped him apart. Yeah. Um, pretty powerful. We don't exactly know how powerful uh, uh, she is. We haven't seen her there yet, I think. No. Uh, now that he has the Odin Force or Thor Force, as it were, um, well, actually, no, because now it'd be the Valkyrie Force. Sure. Um, so Valkyrie would be uh, probably one of the strongest characters in the MCU. Um the Hulk, I don't know. Like he's 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 kind of he's kind of his arm chill. is permanently damaged. Yes, his arm is permanently damaged, but I don't believe that the Hulk regenerates, dude. That, yeah, right. This just happened with something. If anything, deep. more gamma radiation should have hulked him out. Exactly. Um, I mean, he says his left arm is damaged, but even then, he he's kind of gone into like a beatnik mode. So I don't know. He that, did. Yep. Um, who would you have as four or five? Well, I would first. I want to say about Scarlet Witch. Um, she was peeling Thanos like an orange. She was complete. She had him scared for the first time. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen him in two movies, and I mean, focused in two movies. We've seen him in more, but for the first time ever, a little bit of fear. And he's faced guys with. I mean, think of uh, Ronan the Accuser in front of his face with the with with know, the power stone. stone, right? With the power stone, right? And that didn't phase him. Uh, so he's had he's had plenty of moments where he could have had fear in his eyes, and this is the first time we see it. And knowing, and I guess the other half of my brain is like, well, in the comics, she could destroy half the planet if she wanted to. I feel, <laughs> or at least put them in an alternate universe where they think they're living their best life, right? And it's, it's quickly, so pocket dimensions, way, right? She is way more powerful than they've even shown. And if she's thirty percent of what she could be right now, she would have given it to him, man. She would have handled it if, yep. if he didn't rain fire down on his own. But, but as it stands, we don't know. They, like they haven't shown her. And I, what I love about it is they're slowly showing her gain more confidence in her powers as every movie goes on. She's starting to see more of what she can do. Yeah. While love also the suffering fan- the detachment and anger. Yeah, I'd love the fan fiction angle of uh, Doctor Strange helping her. Oh yeah, man. I, I I mean, I would be totally down with that. But I, I I think I think you basically would have something like this. You would have Thanos as the most powerful being. Yeah. Um. You would have Scarlet Witch right behind him. Then you'd probably have a tie between either Captain Marvel or Valkyrie Force since she's now king of Asgard and would draw her power from Asgard, in this case, like Norway. Right. I, I, one thing about Captain Marvel, I wonder if you noticed, um, she gets thrown around a couple of times by Thanos when, that, when they're fighting, and then she grabs the gauntlet and starts powering up off of it. Did you notice that? She grabs it, and like she, the, the, the rainbow of, like, effect starts going up her arms, and that's when she gets headbutted, and she doesn't even flinch. And that's when I think Thanos goes, oh, shit, grabs the power stone and launches her ass into the fucking stratosphere. Yeah, like, I think they had to, like, not have her be the one that took down Thanos because... I did, too. I, I, the payoff's I, not there. Yeah, the payoff's not there. You, you've built it up with these other characters. What they did with Iron Man, frankly, was perfect. Yeah. Um... But uh, but but they showed her how powerful she could be, whether it be yeah. binary mode or one on one. 
We don't know how powerful Valkyrie can be with the Odin Force now that she's going to have the Odin Force. So that's sort of a question mark out there. Yeah, I really do hope we get to see more of Tessa Thompson in the future. But if you're really looking at at the most powerful, because Steve's gone, Iron Man's gone, I'd say Thor is probably number five. And he's maybe still depressed and or feeling unworthy. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he found he. I think his conversation with his mom did You're it right. right. He did say that. He said, "And I'm still worthy." Uh, yeah, I think his conversation with his mom helped there. But you know, he he he's gonna bebop around with the Asgardians of the galaxy and be their big hitter now that you know. Now that they, I don't think they have Gamora anymore. Right, they'll be searching for Gamora, it seems, in the next one. Yeah. That, honestly, that sounds fa- amazing, fantastic, that they're bringing Thor on with that, because I thought their chemistry was really good in Infinity War. Oh, yeah, and plus it fits. It fits. Right. And I can't wait to see he and Rocket interact, like, throughout an entire movie. Good God, I'm I'm getting very horny just thinking think, about it. <laughs> think about this. Rocket and, at this point, Rocket and Nebula were working with and – essentially Avengers longer than they were Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Because that was three years, right? With, with, their, with the Guardians, there were five years. With, with the Avengers. Snap. Yeah. It's going to be kind of awesome, man. And and then Adam Warlock is going to be the baddie. Oh, it's going to yeah. be great. Be okay. So people had the opportunity to go ahead and um, – I, I listed six bands, five truths and a lie, yeah. and uh, you're gonna you're gonna list yours. You're not gonna tell anybody what the lie is. We'll have people okay. submit it yet, but you'll tell me the lie off air, and I'll tell you my lie off air. Right. Uh, but go ahead and hit me with uh, with 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 your with your five truths and a lie in any okay. order. All right, and I'm gonna preface this by saying. Uh, music is the one thing I do not nerd on, and I nerd on a lot of stuff. So for me, I have seen these people just because it happened that way. I don't know if I ever, like, purposely saw anyone out besides one of these bands. And I will list them now because I even had to go back to, what was it, 2000? And I, and I like, text my brother, what's that, 2004? So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's why some of these are really old. Uh, it, it also, I was thinking, like, man, I probably have listened to 15 minutes of music, actual music, in my car to and from work this year. So in five months, maybe 15 minutes of music. So this is what I've uh, I've seen live and in person. Avril Lavigne, Simple Plan, Bloodhound Gang, Jack's Mannequin, Switchfoot, and Vanessa Carlton. All right. So one of those is a lie. You have to find right. his lie. First person to first person to tell us. His lie and my lie in the same tweet. It has to be in the same tweet. You have to get both of them right. Okay. My five are Sublime, Clint Black, Hatebreed, 30 Seconds to Mars, Judas Priest, and Nile. I got my a, guess for you. A heavy metal band called Nile, and all they sing about is ancient Egyptian uh uh, are, are you giving it away already? No, no, no. Okay. I was just saying, the, the, people are like, what the hell is a Nile? Is it? I'm like, well, it's, it's uh, ancient Egyptian death metal is what it is. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> it does. 
some of because yes, everything you listed, most people know. I think I was okay until I got to the bottom one. So I just wanted to let people know who they were. I don't. Gotcha. Everybody should know the other ones. But yeah, all right. So there you go. You have ten bands, two lies. So tweet us, and uh, it's not a pointless competition. The winner of this will win a free digital code uh, to Deadpool 2, the supercut. Um, you know, that's that's the one with the alternate ending that drew a lot of controversy. So uh, I won't praise it on air because some people have issues with it. But it, it, it's the full extended alternate cut with, with the X-rated stuff. Oh, so um, it's, the, it's the porno at the end. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So if you really like Ryan Reynolds, you want to get this one. And Josh Brolin. I, I need that too. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Brolin got really beefy for this one. So, well, Joe, man, I think we've BS'd enough. What I want to do is I want to take this time to, to give you, uh, to A, let people know where they can find you. Uh, B, just kind of let people know what your favorite comics and stuff are. Like, what hmm. what drew you into the nerd verse? And then see if you have any um, any content coming up. It doesn't matter if it's Bengals or not that you want to point people to. Everybody's got to get paid. Yes, yes. Best place to find me is on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, just like it sounds. Uh, mostly talk football there. But I do spend my time uh, talking comics and movies and video games and things that I nerd about. So strike up a conversation there. I'm always willing to in- interact other than that, for my background, especially in terms of the comics and stuff, it was I'm 32, so the 90s cartoon era really was the foundation of my Jesus, liking man. of all of this. What is that? Because you're old? I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. I was saying I'm I'm not much older than you. I was saying oh, okay. the, 90, the 90s cartoon era is Jesus. Like it's oh, the doc, it's the it it's is. the doc it really is. Pole, dude. And, like, I know we talk Marvel a lot, but, like, the Batman animated series is still very, uh, very good. It's so yes. good still. And and we've watched with my kids X-Men and, and Spider-Man and yada, yada. So that started it. And, you know, it carried over until I had some comics as a kid. I read them here and there. I mostly never had, like, a full run or could ever complete a full story because – I would just like get like three of them and then that was it. And I'd never really know what happened. Right. So uh, it, it wasn't until like I passed my teens and then around that time in, in my twenties, then MCU was starting up again. And I'm like, man, look at this. This is awesome. And I'd like, let me go back and read some of the stuff. Let me go back and watch some of the stuff. And I've lived it all now for the last 12 years, as long as the MCU really rekindled it, which is um, great and, and fun and fantastic. And so in the meantime, I, I, do all that stuff. I, I like you mentioned earlier. I, I make costumes, and, and right, I'm working on a Daredevil right now. Which couldn't we have got, gotten the next Netflix guys through a portal? I don't even need to see them fight, just to know that they existed. But well, yeah, I, I digress on that. But um, <laughs> that would have been. Cool. I'm gonna but, be really upset when they recast John Bernthal because let's be uh, honest, dude. Who the hell is the dude? He is the Punisher. And I think even Daredevil, and they can end Daredevil, right? Because three, those three seasons to me, I think, are close to perfection in terms of episodic. I kind of checked out on Daredevil, but I'm not a Daredevil fan. You are a huge Daredevil fan. I I, I have grown to be. I was not I, before. 
I am I am not a Daredevil fan, as will I also not be watching Jessica Jones season three. Season two was way too much for me. Like I I, I couldn't handle it. I, oh, I didn't watch it, Iron Fist season two. Yeah, I didn't either. I kind of I kind of watched like half of it and then I was like, All right, the comic of this is way better. Yeah. Like we 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 know what happens. I I, I just you know what? I'll even say this about The Punisher. The Punisher season two was not good. Oh, you don't think it, it was, was, it was no. okay? No, it was just not good. Oh, you like, don't it think was, it was good? No, it was frustrating, man. It really was frustrating. Like, I get what they went for on some parts of it, and, and you could draw from the comics on that. Jigsaw was the problem, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind even of Even though pointless. the actor is so good. Yeah, I love Ben Russo, man. He 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 played. The, I mean, the ending of Jigsaw was damn near pointless. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I just kind of feel like Daredevil season three might be the exception, but Marvel really like even the Defenders was not good. Oh no, that wasn't good. I I've, I watched it once and that was it. Yeah, I watched it once and I was like, well, I'll never be watching this crap again. Like. <laughs> Like I get, I get, have it. Well, and that's kind of how I felt about the 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 shows in general. Like they started off good, but they weren't able to keep. They just yeah. they didn't have enough of a sandbox to play with, and that hurts them. Daredevil is Daredevil is best when he's interacting with other people. And yep. I'm sorry, but the people he had him interacting with, other than the Punisher, yep. like Daredevil season two was flipping awesome. Except for the uh, Electra part, like yeah. if you'd have just made it the Punisher, oh god! Yeah, because those those scenes ever. and those ep- those episodes were fantastic, especially the rooftop scene, season episode two or three, whatever that was. Straight out of the comics, man. Exactly. Straight out of the comics. So, and some of the best interactions in comic and stuff with Daredevil are like with Spider-Man and Cap and Doctor Strange and you know other New York level heroes that are much either more powerful or bigger than him, bigger scale than him. And he realizes it. And I think in his moral compass, I, you know, I think of a scene of um, Cap asking Daredevil to join the Avengers and, um, and he debates it, but then ultimately turns it down. And it's, I'm trying to remember, I can't quote it for you word for word, but it's just his interaction with Cap is just fantastic. And, and, and you get his moral compass completely in two pages. Yeah, I love that stuff, man. I'm actually doing one of the most daunting things you can do. I'm going back and I'm reading the entire Marvel Universe from the beginning. I've got a buddy, a Bengals fan, that's doing that, uh, Vance Meek on Twitter. And he's in the late 80s now. He's been doing it for a while. Uh, And he's, I mean, he's like, man, I'm really grinding through like 78 to 82. You know, he'll be, he'll tell you where he is. And he's been reading everything. And it's, it sounds interesting. I, I would love to pick your mind after you're done with this. Well, hopefully we're still friends in like 12 years because there's like 12,800 and some odd issues that I have to read. But the beautiful thing is, is there's a a website that kind of lays it out, and it also tells you like it's broken up into 10 different parts, and each part tells you like, okay, these are basically the single stories. Like yeah. you see – guest appearances, but don't expect, like, heavy crossovers. Marvel didn't do that yet. Then you get, 
later where you see more teams and a lot more like the Avengers and stuff. And then the third stage is like, you get a lot more crossovers. So I'm kind of interested in some of the stuff I've already read. So I'm not going to have to go back and reread it again. Like the beautiful Mm -hmm. thing about the Marvel unlimited app is now it tells you which comic books you read. It puts a little red thing on them. So if you've read them, then you're golden. That'd be good. I should get that. I don't have that. Um, I don't know why you don't. You know why? Because I have a cool setup. I, I mean, I've got in my living room. I, I built my own entertainment center and bookcases down below, and I like to put the physical copies in there. And I have a cool. This is gonna, obvious, but I have a shelf in the bathroom now that has a lot of books in there, and I like that. Well, see, the beautiful thing about Marvel Unlimited is here's how I justify it. I still collect physical. But Marvel Unlimited allows you to collect stuff that, frankly, I'm not going to drop the kind of money it would cost to get some of those books. In oh, some era. of them are extreme, yeah. Right. So I can read them on Marvel, get the backstory for that character. Like, I'm I'm really getting into the Eternals. So okay. that way, when the movie comes out, like, I've got a massive hand on what they're going to try and do, like, who the Eternals are. Like, I know about them. I know, like, the Marvel facts about him, but I never really, like, dove into him because the first, the first series didn't wasn't really all that good. But when Neil Gaiman got a hold of it, Neil Gaiman can do wonders, man. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I, I recommend checking that out. Like, like, Marvel Unlimited should just function as a way for you to read craft that you're never going to buy. That's how you justify right. it. Yeah. And it costs, like, $100 for a year, plus, here's another way to justify it. Give it to your kids, man. Just tell them. You can read as much as you want. Like, they're reading. That's why I justified the physical copies also, because my son, my son, is he's nine now. He has read more comic books than I have in my life. So uh, he's going to be, he's going to be out there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and it's good, though, because he's reading, he's absorbing, he's learning, and, and it's a, it's a fun and productive way to relate to your kids while they're trying to it eat. Is. I think I've had people give me that feedback when I've pushed Marvel Unlimited. So I've car- I've started incorporating it into the pitch. I really do think it's a fun way to engage with your kids or just younger people in general who don't or or want to know more about the history of Marvel. You know what I like best about the Marvel Comics app because I don't have the unlimited subscription, but I do buy digital is their presentation inside the, the books a lot of times. You, my eyes, when I'm reading a physical edition, um, my eyes can't help but to wander into the next panels or sometimes the next page. Yes, and so, you get crap ruined for you. But with smart panel, right. you don't yep. know what's going to happen until you right. take that next page. And it, sometimes they'll zoom in on, like, the character's eyes, and then you click again, it zooms out, and then you get the bubble, then zooms out again into the entire page. You're like, whoa, they presented that so well. I really... I. I tell people, if you're not reading with Smart Panel, you're doing yourself a disservice. It is the yeah. greatest in-app feature I have ever seen. Comics yeah. were meant to be read with Smart Panel. They just yeah. were. Yep. It's, it's just a it, it makes it it makes the story even better. It does because the now you get that anticipation there. I am so like you, man. My eyes wander in the worst way, and I ruin crap for myself all the time yep. accidentally and. Smart panel, like, it's like, I already know half of what's going to happen, so at least I can save the other stuff. Right. <laughs> All right, so you got any articles coming out before we get out of here? Anything that's going up on the on the, uh, the athletic? No, nothing in the works right now. I have to uh, save my 
amount of articles until this until we get closer to August. But uh, daily, if you are a Bengals fan, I have a daily uh, podcast, Locked On Bengals podcast. So check that out. Yeah, and uh, Joe will be back with us, I am sure, popping in. I love to talk comics with him. And I just want to brag before we go that I picked up the uh, the Adidas X Heroes Among Us. Uh, I got the Captain Marvel Candace Parker shoes. Oh, did you? And I did, dude. And I just want to say that aside from being some of the most comfortable shoes I have ever worn, I love them. The Captain Marvel were the best ones out of all of them. I was looking at them. Oh, they're great. Uh, Dude, they're so much better when you get them. Like, the back areas got that, it's, it's, it's material, but inside there's foam that, like, cushions your heel that just out so it holds Mm. your heel in place securely, but it's very cushioned, and the shoe is snug around your feet, but it's not too snug. Like, honestly, for a hundred bucks and that that are a Marvel shoe, like, do it, dude. The next ones that are even kind of okay were the theories, but I don't like high top. I'm not a high top guy. I don't, I can't pull off high top. The Captain Marvels are, are more like a running shoe, and I like that. Are they that. still available, or did they sell Yeah, them? yeah. No, they're still available, dude. They're, 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 they're going. I showed somebody the other day. They're one of the cheapest ones, too. Hmm. Uh, the Captain Americas are like $180. The Damian Lillard Black Panther ones don't really look that good. Like, dude, <laughs> go with the Captain Marvels, and plus the shipping is amazing. I ordered them, and I had them within like three days. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I can't recommend it enough. The total came out to like one nineteen, and some one nineteen twenty eight. I think not yeah. bad at all. Not so, bad. Well, I just wanted to brag about that. But you can find me on Twitter at Fight On Twist, uh, and also check out the show that I do for the Marvel Report Tesseract Talk. And uh, I cover college football for Athlon Sports, and as the uh, Year comes closer. I'm sure I'll be doing previews of Cal and USC uh, and the Pac-12. Uh, but, uh, yeah, up until I'm just waiting for Spider-Man, I'm probably going to drop some pieces on that uh, over on the Marvel Report. And I've got another episode of Tesseract Talk that I'm going to record either today or tomorrow. But the first one is up over on the Marvel Report, and it answers all your questions from comics to end game to cosplay so go like and subscribe it would mean a lot to me you can help me uh, make some money maybe one day uh so for joe i'm josh uh, i want to thank you guys for tuning in and hanging out for the whole hour here on uh third and nerd and we will be back some other time to uh infect your ears with comic book talk you guys have a good one Peace.